0: Steps to a practical, joyful prayer life. There's two wonderful prayer verses I'd like to give you. I'm going to the Bible. I am marking in this particular Bible, most of you know I read the Bible through once or twice a year, and I read a different Bible every time. This one I'm marking every prayer in the Bible. Every time someone walked to talk to God, every time God talked to them, I'm marking every prayer promise in the Bible. And I'm almost done with the Bible. And it's been a really thrilling time. And then looking at the prayers, exegete the prayers of Paul. Phenomenal prayers. The best intercessory prayer that you could ever pray is Colossians chapter 1. You look there when Paul was praying for those at Colossae. What a, a way of praying scripture back to God. But John 16, 23, and 24. Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. That's quite a promise. Hitherto you've asked nothing in my name, ask and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full or overflowing. Psalm 16, 11, the psalmist adds, Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy and at thy right hand are pleasures evermore." Now what we want to do is to give you steps. These steps were designed by a man that I admire greatly. One of the today men of prayer, a very godly man, Dick Eastman. Maybe many of you know Dick Eastman. You know, he wrote The Hour That Changed the World and so on. Just a very godly man, has a prayer life that I would give anything to have just a little of a prayer life like this man has. And so we're looking at now, how do I get back? If I'm a prayer prodigal and I've left my source of power, I've left intimacy with God, and I've wandered away, how do I get back? Here are some steps of action. The first word is the word find. These will all be words starting with F. Fine. What do I need to find? What am I looking for? I need to find the best possible time and the very best place for prayer. If I'm going to get back and start having a meaningful walk with God, then I need to have this. Remember in Matthew 6.6, 6, Jesus said, When you pray, Assumes what? That you do have a time you pray, right? Jesus said, when you pray, I assume you're setting a time to pray. Then he said, enter your closet, which is a place to pray. And it needs to be a place at all possible that you will not be interrupted. Remember Susanna Wesley? Now, I'm not taking anything away from Susanna Wesley, but she did have help. Do you remember that? She had some help. But when Susanna Wesley threw the apron over her head, according to Bill Gothard, because um, you know, I've never met her, uh, the kids became very quiet because mom was going where? In the presence of God. On the book table back there, it has my most favorite Christian biography. Uh, John Payton, Missionary to the Cannibals. I believe they have it on the back there uh, where they're selling books. John Payton lived in a one-room house with a little bump-out. They made socks. They were poor. They, They homeschooled, and it was home industry. They were making socks so they could eat. And every day, the dad would pull back the little curtain. It was a very small bed. He would go in that room, the curtain would come down, he'd kneel by the bed, and his dad cried out to God for his family, for needs, and for the town prostitute. And when he did, the children were quiet. Do you children know that you're entering into the very presence of God? We need to be quiet because mom's going to talk to God right now. And he's going to show me what I need to do and help me to go through today. You be quiet. If you know if there's no one else, Mom, you can do this to train the children that it's important to go to God and to be quiet, so I can hear what He says. Because you know, when you guys are fighting or talking or whatever, you don't hear me. And God says, "Be still and know that I am God, and I need to be still." So, John Peyton's father was crying out for the prostitute, and one day she was walking by their little house. And she heard her name, and she crept up to the window, and here she heard this man weeping over her sinful life. And she would creep by every day because he had a set time of praying, and that prostitute accepted the Lord on her knees outside of the window listening to this dad crying out for her. Isn't that beautiful? You know, Because this guy had a burden, and he had a time. And he had a place. And the family honored that, that their dad could cry out to God. Watch me say, those who have no set time for prayer, don't pray. Have you said you're going to get around to it? Well, i got a box up. Not here, but at home, and I'll mail you one around to it, you know, so you can start getting your prayer time. Don't miss this time with God. You are going to be so sad when you get to heaven and realize what you missed in fellowship and walking with the Father. And all the time he was inviting you to come home where he could share his heart with you and you could share your heart with him. So we need to develop a habit time and we need to develop a place for prayer. The second one is forget. What do I need to forget? I can't tell you. I've been to prayer seminars when I was at the, I told you, the largest mission in the world. I was responsible for the day of prayer. Our mission worked in every state in the United States, every province in Canada, and 160-some countries of the world. We were all over the place. And we had a day of prayer, and I'd bring in these great prayer warriors to lead us in a day of prayer. That's where I met Dick Eastman. You know, he was at that mission like 21 years ago, and the people there said their life is still changed from that one day they spent with Dick Eastman. But he really challenged me. God really spoke to my heart, and then I fell away. I'm telling you, when you want to get back into intimate relationship with God, you will have a battle that you cannot believe, and the battle will be all kinds of circumstances that's trying to hinder you from getting along with God. You say, you know, this isn't worth it. It just isn't worth it. It's so hard. But once you develop that and and the enemy knows that you're sincere, it's amazing how easy it is. But in the beginning, let me tell you, it is not easy. But what do I need to forget? All previous failures in prayer. What can God do with all of my failures? I'd like to read this to you. It's called Of Weavers and Rugmakers. In the outskirts of Beni Suf, I came to a village that was entirely Coptic. This is in Egypt. I was given a tour of the church in the town, and I visited some homes and shops. In one of the shops, I stood watching a number of rug makers at their trade. They sped the shuttle back and forth on Coptic looms, built like those that were used in pharaonic times. It was fascinating. It was amazing. I said to one of the rug makers, what if you make a mistake with the shuttle? You are going so fast that you won't see the air in the design until you have woven several layers over it. What will you do then? Will you unwind the carpet and remove the layers of thread you've added? No, said the rug maker. We would never do that. That would take far too much time. But I'll tell you a secret. The most beautiful rugs with the most elaborate designs and the most expensive weavings are the ones with mistakes hidden inside. How's that? I asked. Well, once we notice the mistake, we have to integrate it into the pattern. We have to change the pattern to include the mistake and make it part of the new design. Sometimes the new design is far more complex, far more embellished than anything we could have created ourselves That is why the most beautiful rugs are the ones with the mistakes hidden deep inside. Isn't that beautiful? A great deal of wisdom in this oriental art. Perhaps it's like the province of God, for sometimes people with the deepest wounds, the most serious flaws, and the most serious prayer mistakes or prayer failures exhibit the greatest glory to God. God can take your failures and weave them into something that could be beautiful. Fight. Ephesians 6.13 Paul uses the full armor of God to resist the enemy of prayer. We need to fight all of the hindrances to praying. The greatest hindrance to having a life of prayer and intimacy with God is not praying at all, except the skylobs. You know, God help me, you know, bless you. I have bought over 800, in my library, I have 800, over 800 books on prayer in a deeper life. I got bookcases, full of these books, and I've read them. And some have been really wonderful. Some have been, some, you know, but some have been like this. You know, you read it, and you go, oh man, I just got to have it." God, I know you and I respect that person. I, wanna, I want what these guys have. I want that closeness with you. And it's important for my wife and my kids. Well, at dinner time, I pray, you know, Lord, bless this food. Amen. And my wife says, I don't know how much money we've spent, but I think we spent a lot of money, you know, probably hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And you have over 800 books on prayer. And is that the best you can do? You know, bless this food. So being a godly husband, I said, I'll fix her. Some of you know my wife. So the next night we bowed for prayer at dinner, and I said, "You know, Father, bless the missionaries in the Philippines, bless the missionaries in China, bless the missionaries in Taiwan." You know, by the time I got through, it had been cold. She said, "That's enough. I'll take God bless us, food." Amen. <laughs> I knew, I knew she didn't want me to pray around the world. You like kids will do. Uh, <clears throat> I love my wife. Uh, Last year when we did the uh, medical seminar, my wife and I had been married 50 years, just two weeks before. And so I told the doctors, I said, you know, my wife and I have some advice for you. We've been married 50 years and thank God all of our children have accepted Christ as Savior. Uh, Three of our children are serving God full time and one of our son-in-laws is making an honest living because he has a real job, you know, he's not sponging off of God. And seeing our grandkids now saved and, and committed and serving God, it's so thrilling. You have know, to start seeing the generations that what we did is imperfect as we are to see our children and our children's children walking with God. Let me tell you, that's exciting. But you still pray like crazy. You get your kid raised, and then all of a sudden your kids have kids, and you got to start this prayer stuff all over again. Because it's more wicked now than it was when we raised our kids. You know, there's so much more evil out there, accessible evil. And the enemy wants to trap our kids. Anyway, um, where was I going? Maybe I'll remember tonight. So call my room tonight about midnight and I'll lay in bed. Oh, yeah, I know what I was going to say. I don't remember now what I was going to say. But there are two real hindrances to prayer here. Oh, I was going to say, oh, yeah, married 50 years what was our advice? And our advice to all the medical doctors at the medical seminar last September was the first 50 years are the hardest. (laughs) We're hoping the second 50 is going to be downhill. I can tell you this. Marriages don't work. You work them. And you cry out to the one that can help you to be the person God wants you to be in that relationship. Am I right? Aren't you here? You know that. You know, there, there's very few. When I taught marriage counseling at Bible college, I told the students that Cinderella and Prince Charming got married and lived happily ever after, and now they're dead. and very few couples live happily ever after. Remember Bill Godfrey said, and I thought amen when he said it, if two people agree on everything, one of them is unnecessary. And my wife is a very sweet prophet. She is. Ask Ann. I don't know if, you know, Phil and Ann. Phil and Ann have been in our home and, uh, you know, they play the piano. And They, and they know my wife. And you know, My wife, my, uh, Ann refers to her as a princess. My wife is a very godly woman who has a prayer life that's unbelievable. I, I do not remember in our 50 years of marriage my wife ever missing a day with God and a day praying. That's why our kids turned out. Let me tell you, a few kids are decent. It's the mom. Now, if the dad's not doing his thing, they're not going to turn out decent. But if the dad's doing his thing, the mom is there, what, all day long, working with those kids. And I know, I take my hat off to the, you ask the godly young men in our school, and they'll say, yes, their dads were really neat, but it was their mom. They watched her live out Christianity, day after day, year after year, year after year. And they knew at Time's mom was frustrated. You know, any woman that's ever homeschooled, not been frustrated. And you, know, you got one kid that 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 has the flu, another kid, you know, knocked over the milk, and two kids are f- punching each other, and you're saying, Oh, let's pray. <laughs> and that's why we need the Lord, don't we? You do not know what a day is going to bring forth. And you don't know the kinds of things you're going to face, but I'll tell you, He does. And He can prepare you and empower you for those days that are unexpected. But one of the things we have to fight here, James 4.2 says one of the greatest hindrances to prayer, is you have not because you've asked not. We haven't gone to the Father and just laid it out before Him and asked Him. But James 4.3 says, and other hindrances are asking with wrong motives. God, is, God doesn't care about your prayers. When you really develop a intimacy with God, often words break the back of prayer. And some of you have been there. What can you say in the presence of Holy? Except just bask in his presence. God is here. He's ministering to me in such a way I'm almost holding my breath. And to say words would just be so, I can't, how can I say words? It would cheapen this. I just let my heart commune. I know I'm in his presence in a, in a very, very special way. And that is so special when you have those times where you know that God is ministering to your heart in such a way, in such a meaningful way. So when I pray, I've got to be sure, are my motives right? God doesn't care about what your prayers sound like. You know, when we have that prayer retreat for men, we don't pray together. You know why I don't want men to pray together? We have a tendency to forget who we're talking to. You understand what I'm saying? We're praying to what? The guys. Well, if I say this, they'll think I'm spiritual. Oh, oh God. You know, or whatever, <clears throat> and I go. We don't need that. Maybe on the last day, we do have some of that. But the purpose is that the guy would have his intimate walk with God. I don't want to put him on the spot. I want to make him feel embarrassed. But I don't want to make him have to pray. Why is he there? He's there because I'm there. I want to learn how. That's why I came. I want that. I know my prayer life's okay, but I know there's a dimension missing, and I want that and I need that. Because I know it will take me through whatever I'm going to have to face. Focus. Focus on the Lord rather than answers to prayer. Someone said we keep a prayer list to tick off God's faithfulness. God answered this, God answered that, God answered this. And I'm not saying that God didn't answer prayer. Somebody was sharing all their answers to prayer, and the guy looked at him. Someone tell you something. Every one of your answers to prayer was coincidental. Someone tell you something. Uh, when I don't pray, I don't have coincidences. I'd like you to turn to Jeremiah 29 12 through 14, and I want you to see something that is. Very outstanding. You know, often in verses or chapters or even whole books, the key to the book is a word that's repeated over and over and over again. And different books, they say the, main, the, the purpose of this book is this, because this word is used more in Mark, immediately, straightway, more than any other book, and so on. But look at 29, 12 through 14. This, an underlying all the me's, then shall they call upon what? Me. Ye shall go and pray unto who? Me. And I will hearken unto you. Hearken is to listen with doing. And ye shall seek who? Me. And ye shall find who? Me. When ye shall search for me with all your heart. And then he said, I will be found of you, saith the Lord. Aren't those wonderful me's? Go back, look at that tremendous thing. See, effective prayer isn't gauged by how many answers we receive, but how much we touch God. Are you touching Him? There's a lot of material, Bill it has one of material on, on uh, you know, different positions and praying. And every position you can think of is mentioned in scripture. I just had knee surgery a while ago. And it supposedly was healed last Friday. But I can't kneel and pray. And if the only way you can see God's face and get answers is kneelings, I'm in trouble. I can lay on my face before the Lord and I can sit and I can whatever, walk but I cannot kneel because the pain you know, if you take a position that's so painful what are you thinking about? Man, I got this prayer thing over with, this is killing me. You know, rather than being comfortable in going into his presence. Follow. Follow. A meaningful plan of action. Write this verse down. Psalm 5.3 And in that, the psalmist said, if you read that verse, he would direct his prayers unto the Lord in the morning. What's been thrilling is I've gone through these prayer things, when a verse jumped out at me, or there was a word in that verse that was such a key, That the whole verse was kind of revolved around that one word. Well, if you have a Zodiac Bible, go back and look at the Hebrew. Go back and look in the Greek. You know, what is the meaning of that word? I did not know exactly what the meaning, Hebrew meaning, of the word direct. What does that mean? The word for direct means to set in order or arrange. Wasn't that what the guy was talking about ahead of time? I thought it was neat how he called his guys that John Noble that has his noblemen. I, I didn't know the name of the guy that was standing up here. I kept asking Kevin, what's the guy's name? And I kept saying noble. Maybe his name is noble, but I know it's not. That, that was not his name. But what was he saying? He was saying, have a plan of action, a strategy. Remember? That was all the that's all about. I'm saying you need the same thing for praying. You need the same thing. Do what the psalmist did. Set it in order there's times you want the Spirit of God to lead you in prayer let me share one of those I was at one of the Gothard places, I don't want to tell you which one, I've been to almost all of them and it was Sunday and in any of the Gothard ministry places uh, Sunday is like that thing, not a creature is stirring, not even a mouse You know, it's just pretty dead, it's very quiet. And so I was just alone in my room with the Lord, and I was crying out to God, and and I just said, Lord, is there anybody you want me to pray for? Is there anything you want me to do? And the Lord spoke in my heart, go see this person. And I like this person, and I thought, no, that's just me. Well, I prayed three times, I'm a little slow, But when the third time it said, go see this person, I needed to go see this person. And I went, and I knocked on his door. He opened the door, and he looked at me like, what in the world are you doing here bothering me? And I'm going, man, did I ever get get the wires crossed? He said, come on and sit down. I sat down. He looked at me, and he said, I've been praying all morning. That you would come and see me. I'm in sexual bondage. Will you, through the word of God, help me to walk in the freedom of the cross? And that older young man came to freedom over two years ago and has not gone back to any moral failure of any sort for two years. I am so thankful that I was open to the voice of God, quietly listening. Is there something that God wants me to do? Another one, there's a family that brought their son to see me. This guy was so messed up sexually, he was 12 years old, but he looked like he was 15. It's not easy for a boy to be through puberty by the time he turns 12. And this boy had male desires in a young boy's body as far as, you know, maturity and all that good. And he was a mess. and God worked in that kid's life, I can't, I can't tell you, the wonderful things has happened in his life over all these years. He's walked with God, he's been used of God, he's called of God in all of this. I'm so glad the parents trusted enough to bring him to see me when he was 12. And God worked in a marvelous way. And one day, God laid on my heart, called his family. And I'm getting to understand God's voice for me when he's speaking to my heart, when I'm quiet enough to hear. See, what makes you think God isn't speaking today? Won't you be shocked if you get to heaven and God's been speaking to you and you've never set a time to listen? He had so many things he wanted to tell you, lay on your heart, so much direction he wanted to give you, but you're too busy serving him to sit at his feet. We, We need to have the Mary and Martha combination, don't we? We need the both. We need to serve, but we also need to do what Mary did, remember? Jesus said, what did she choose? She chose the better part. She sat at his feet and listened to him speak. And God told me to call this family. And I just thought, I'm going to call. I called this family on the phone. And the dad said, you won't believe this. My wife and I could have called you. But we said, no, Lord, we think we need to talk to Logan. Have him call us. We've been praying for a week. I'm so glad that I set aside time to listen and God to lead me to call this family. They've been praying, I would call them, and it was exactly... I, mean, I could go on and on. I'm t- you may be missing a tremendous adventure by not developing intimacy with God. So have a plan of action. I need to develop a prayer life. I need to feed every day on spiritual food. What did Jesus say in Matthew 4.4 when he was tempted by the enemy? Make these stones bread. What did he say? He said that man would not live by bread alone, but every word, uh, every word from the mouth of God. We need to read the Bible daily so we can pray the Bible back to God. Fellowship. I love this one. Fellowship with the Lord in love. Hosea 6, 1 through 3, the first part says, let us return unto the Lord. And then it says, if we follow on to know Him. That word, no, is a very significant Hebrew word. The word, no, is yada, Y-A-D-A. What is interesting, God said to Adam, Adam, yada, Eve. And the result was what? Cain and Abel. See, The word means intimate contact. When it says to know him in the Hebrew, it will be yada. That we can have an intimate relationship with God. The Bible is calling us to that. And out from that relationship comes our ministry. Because otherwise you'll minister out of an empty bucket. Or you'll minister out of you know, Bible knowledge or whatever up here, but you want to, in, to minister from your life. Intimacy with the Lord is literally the key to joyful prayer and a joyful walk with the Lord. Number eight, forgive. Two verses to put down. See, every wrong that's been done to you Mark eleven twenty five. 25 when you stand praying what's he say forgive if you have ought against any Matthew 6 14 if you forgive men their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you the Lord knew that if we hold grudges it will be impossible to pray effectively. In fact, bitter believers seldom pray. And one of the reasons that I saw the need for men to develop intimacy is that over the years, literally the thousands of people I have counseled, every man I counseled, none of them had an intimate relationship with God. It was missing. It was a dimension that wasn't in their life and it opened them up to failures, all different kinds of failures 9 forsake Andrew Murray said we pray as we live it's the life that prays Colossians 3.5 tells us to mortify, put to death your members which are upon the earth Prayer will keep us from sin, and sin will keep us from praying. And we need, and listen, don't get into morbid introspection. The only time really in the New Testament I see that I am to search my heart is at the communion table. But we have our counselees pray, Psalms 139, search me who? O God, and know my heart, try me, see if there be any wicked way in me. You know, try my thoughts this one and lead me in the way of understanding. Let the Holy Spirit reveal if there's hindrances in your life because of resentments and let go of those things. If there's sin issues in your life that you need to put under the blood, do that. Oh, I did the forsaken and put it up there, didn't I? Finish. That's the last one. Finish what? What you start. Reese Hall said, if you are going to have a prayer life, and remember, I think a lot of you have read his book, The Intercessor, you will never be a true intercessor before God if you're not willing to be a part of your own answers to the prayer you're praying. We asked Bill to order a book that would be available to you. It's a book that we, that the men that were at the prayer retreat last year, we had a case of books which was many more than the guys and it was all bought out. And not everybody's here, some people have left so you're very fortunate, you'll probably be able to get one. This book is Quiet Moments in Prayer. This is not for a beginner. This is not someone that's never prayed. This is for those that are saying, there's a dimension missing in my prayer life. And the, the where the byline is, experiencing life-changing conversations with God, it's by Lloyd John Ogilvie, the uh, chaplain of the Senate. This book is phenomenal. I have five books in my library that encourage you. The books are written on praying scripture back to God. You need to do that. That's wonderful. After five books, I was convinced. Then another book and how to pray the Psalms back to God, the whole book on that. But this particular book, what he does, the first half is wonderful. The last half is this. The last half he gives you 30 days that can change your life. In those 30 days, he gives you the scripture to pray back to God under the various categories of prayer and no scripture is repeated for 30 days. The guys would take this in the North Woods, and each thing you do has a listening verse and then a verse for response or verses. I cannot tell you that this book can be a real blessing to you if you will get this book. We're now selling it at our office and I said I would love to see every family have at least one of these. Because once, why should we pray scripture? God said, if you ask anything according to my will, what? He will listen. He hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we have what we pray for. If you would like to learn how to fill your prayer with scripture, this is the best tool that I know of over 800 books in my library. This is the best book in that whole issue. Father, I thank you for this time. Father, I thank you for these dear folks that are here. And I pray, Father, that your Spirit may have spoken to their hearts Father, I pray that you would honor your word, and I pray that, Lord, I wasn't in the road of what you wanted to say, and but Father, you know the prayer prodigals that are in this audience, those that you've spoken to and called to their hearts about walking closer in a deeper and a richer relationship with you. And Father, I know right now you're standing with your arms out saying, come home. Come home. Come and yada me, know me. Let me speak to your heart and share my heart with you and you share your heart with me. Father, I pray that there will be those that will respond to your call to come home in this group. And they may leave here, and I know that once they do, there's the enemy of their souls that will try to throw obstacles at, because I've been through that many times. And Father, that they were saying, no, I, I cannot not meet with my Father and develop a relationship that I know is possible, but I've never experienced. And I want that more than anything, because I know if prayer is going to be important to me, and intimacy with God, it's going to be important to my children. They'll see. And so, Father, I commit this hour to you, and I pray that you would be glorified. I ask this in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.